Want to stream cognitive dissonance to your Android or iPhone? Buy the app. Go to dissonancepod.com and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page. Each purchase helps support the show. Now this brings us to the sorts of moves that people are apt to make in the moral sphere. Okay. Consider the great problem of women's bodies. What to do about them? Well, this is one thing you can do about them. You can cover them up. Now, it is the position, generally speaking, of our intellectual community that, well, we might not like this. We might think of this as wrong in Boston or Palo Alto. Who are we to say that the proud denizens of an ancient culture are wrong to force their wives and daughters to live in cloth bags? And who are we to say even that they're wrong to beat them with lengths of steel cable or throw battery acid in their faces if they decline the privilege of being smothered in this way? Okay, well, who are we not to say this? Who are we to pretend that we know so little about human well-being that we have to be non-judgmental about a practice like this? I'm not talking about voluntary wearing of a veil. I mean, women should be able to wear whatever they want, as far as I'm concerned. But what does voluntary mean in a community where when a girl gets raped, her father's first impulse, rather often, is to murder her out of shame? Just let that fact detonate in your brain for a minute. Your daughter gets raped, and what you want to do is kill her. What, what are the chances that represents a peak of human flourishing? Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome, Matt. This is episode 88 of Cognitive Dissonance, and we are joined by Hemant from the Friendly Atheist blog. Hemant, I'm, I, I, I'm only using your first name because any attempt to pronounce your first name and your last name together would only be met by dire failure on my I'm part. surprised you got the first name right. Thank you. <laughs> we interviewed you so before, I. so I had to you know, yeah. go back in the, the Wayback Machine here. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being on. Thank you, guys. Hemant, you have the uh, Friendly Atheist blog. That blog is uh, one of the many available at patheos.com. And it's one of the many that I raid with regularity. Thank you. For this show. So thank you for uh, making my job easier because I am fundamentally deeply lazy. The uh, first story we want to go over is actually a blog post that you wrote. Cardinal Roger Mahoney, I forgive those who are angry at me for covering up child rape. What? It's such a magnanimous position to take. I know. He is, he is such a nice guy, isn't he? 
it's uh, you, you read this and you think, man, what a what a deep, kind-hearted individual. He doesn't even hold a grudge against those of him who are angry for being a terrible person. It's so nice of him to forgive all those people who got <laughs> raped under his watch. <laughs> his cup overfloweth. It's just spilling out all over. It's... Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and we've crossed the line. The line is crossed as soon as we hit record. Alas. Yeah, as soon as we hit record. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you're you're – you talk about we're going to talk about your book later on, um, but it's called the Young Atheist Survival Guide. Now, in that book, do you have any survival tips for encountering a handsy priest? <laughs> that's that's the sequel. <laughs> it's the Young Atheist Self Defense Handbook. <laughs> it involves lessons in karate. Yeah. <laughs> It includes it, it includes a rape whistle. Yes. You know, it's it's just it's got all it's that got all comes the bells packaged there. with the book. It, right. yeah. you, you open the first page; it's just a particularly vicious dog inside. The way you say that, I'm imagining like a Shawshank Redemption. You open up the book, and there's like a whistle carved into the pages. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly it. So now, now seriously though, one of the things that that we talk about on this on this show a lot because we we do cover, uh, you know, because this is always in the news. This is always something that pops up. Uh, you know, the 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 priesthood has covered up for these people, uh, covered up for other priests many 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 times before, and uh, and we always talk about how. Uh, how it would be so easy for the higher ups to just reach out a help, uh, like a helping hand to the to the groups that are trying to get these priests out of right. there. Uh, it would be so easy for them to to clean up their act, don't you think? You would you would hope when it's that hierarchical that it's it it gets fixed from the top down, and it looks like it's it's basically the opposite. Yeah, it's just sad how like they just can't seem to fix their own house, you know? Um, and again, it's religion. These are groups that pride themselves on their moral authority and they can't fix the biggest problem within their own ranks. Um, and the worst part is, yeah, like you guys said, when people are trying to do something to fix it, they get defensive or they don't do anything about it. And yeah, it's just, it's, I'm glad it exposes the church for what it is. Yeah, I think I think this line here, um, this is from his website, and you quote his website in your blog post. Um, he says, uh, I, in the past several days, I have experienced many examples of being humiliated. In recent days, I have been confronted in various places by very unhappy people. I could, n- could understand the depth of the anger and outrage at me, at the church, and about the injustice that swirl around us. And he says here, he says, Thanks to God's special grace, I simply stood there asking God to bless and forgive them. <laughs> forgive them. Forgive them. Yes. Because <laughs> he is in need. He did no wrong. Well, it's the, it's the sin of their anger, right? I mean, that's like their wrath at being <laughs> victims of. Good. It's not a stretch. <laughs> There's goodness. only one side that can be infallible here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, now, comparing this here, we are comparing this to uh, uh, the the Pope who just recently stepped down. Um, there's some talk about him getting some immunity as well. 
what do you think if there's if that if that is the truth if that he it, I mean it, you know it's just rumor it's just you know it's just speculation but do you think that there's something to be said about him staying in the Vatican to to sort of escape the law? I'll be honest with you, I haven't read much about the the immunity part of that, but you know what it's it's one of those things that if there's something you can get him on, um, for him to even claim that he could be immune by living there and he wouldn't have to. Uh, be persecuted or prosecuted or whatever it is um i mean that's gonna be a story if if and when that happens and it's not gonna help the church win over anybody (laughs) that's true um so i mean go ahead be immune it's not like anyone else in the church hasn't gotten away with stuff but realize that when it's that high profile of a case uh people are gonna find out they're not gonna be happy about it and it's not gonna help the church do anything they're lost so, if they want to claim that. So, so you're suggesting that living in a gilded palace in not it land <laughs> is not going to win the hearts and minds of the world's citizens, you know, to avoid prosecution for child sex crimes? Stretch. I, it's a stretch. <laughs> I, I, I got to point out in this uh, this blurb that you read, Cecil, he uses uh, Cardinal Mahoney uses the word I, refers to himself, four times in four sentences. Like, this is a man (laughs) who, in this entire, you know, blog, is mostly concerned with one person. And it's not the victims, it's not, you know, his, his deity, it's, he's really concerned about Cardinal Mahoney. That's who he's really concerned about. (laughs) And, you know, we, we've talked again, we've talked about Cardinal Mahoney several times on this show. And one of the things that he did, and we might even got this off your blog, although I'm not sure yeah. if that's the case. But one of the things that he did was he had uh, he had taken pictures of his victims and he was praying for his victims, uh, these victims that had been shuffled around. Uh, and, and, it, and it seems so asinine. It's like it's like you're praying for these people. Why don't you actually do something right. for and these people? Right, and you're fully capable of doing something by by taking action against some of these priests. So we're going to be back with Hemant at the end of the show. If you're new to Cognitive Dissonance, uh, we, we will be interviewing him uh, after we go through some news items. Uh, we're going to be talking about his book, uh, The Young Atheist Survival Guide. And I want to say, you know, Tom, that— I think that Hemant should probably, you know, this might, this is, you know, I'm a marketer, so I just want to, I just want to pitch this idea at him. I think he could probably play off of the current popularity of the undead genre and call it the the zombie Jesus survival guide. <laughs> uh, but we're going to be visiting, visiting with the, with Hemant at the end, so uh, so stick around if you want to hear him. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To me, it's pretty simple. A person either believes that God created this process or believes that it was an accident and that it just happened all on its own. So this story comes from the raw story. Physicist Lawrence Krauss rips creationists, quote, it is like the Taliban. Physicist Lawrence Krauss on Tuesday defended calling the teaching of creationism a form of child abuse, saying that withholding education was harmful. And, you know, you read that and it's like, well, fucking of course withholding education is harmful. That's why education is required by law. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding, right? Because we recognize that it's that it's harmful to just be like, well, I'm just going to raise dipshits. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> just going to raise fucking dumb they kids. They call that homeschooling. <laughs> <laughs> they call that the South. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, no, please don't send us messages. Please don't send us messages and be like, I homeschool my kids, you are assholes. We know, we know. I'm just kidding. It's a joke, people. Uh, the, there's a video attached to this, Tom, and it's a it's a show called The David Pakman Show. I've never seen it, but uh, but evidently it's a YouTube show. Uh, and uh, And there's a part where they're talking about Santa Claus – uh, and I thought it was great. One of the one of the, they were going back and forth, and one of the things he said was uh, the host of this show was saying, you know, at least with the Santa Claus, uh, one, it's not harmful. It's all positive, right? It's all positive stuff that you're lying to your kid about. It's not negative stuff that you're lying to your kid about. But at least it's positive. And then secondly, there's going to be a time when you're going to tell them it's bullshit. You know, there's going to be right. a moment in the future where you turn to your kid and be like, hey, that Santa Claus thing, I was fucking pulling your leg. There's no Santa right. Claus. It's called mommy and daddy's wallet. That's what Santa Claus is. And there's no fuck. I ate the fucking cookies. You know what I mean? Like those cookies right. didn't disappear. You know what I mean? So there's going to be a moment where you tell them it's bullshit. Where, when it comes to creationism, when it comes to this Bible indoctrination, when it comes to telling your kids that they're going to go to hell – no, that's not something you're ever going to renege on. It's not something you're ever going to say, no, I was kidding. Yeah, and, you know, you're also not going to teach them, like, oh, well, Santa Claus is real, so, you know, you shouldn't trust the, the basic precepts of science, yeah. right? Like, you're not going to be – you're not going to be like, look, Santa Claus was real, and so Santa Claus really buried dinosaurs yeah. to test your faith in Santa. <laughs> And if you really want presence, and Santa Claus really then, does break all the laws of thermodynamics when he flies those around, are, those laws are lies yeah. straight from the pits of hell. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know he, he likens um, introducing creationism to the Taliban. He says it's on some level. You know he's mitigating. He's sure, not saying sure. it's equivalent, but he's drawing a comparison. And he, you know, he says. Um, it, the, the Taliban uh, doesn't want girls to be educated or people to be educated because if they do, they'll understand the myths they are learning are crap. And I think that that's, that's part of the whole religious shell game, right? You know, keep everything moving. Keep everything hidden um, so that the kids, um, while they're being educated, and they're not really being educated, right, but right. while they're being spoon-fed this, you know, uh, syrup of lies and bullshit— um, they never get an opportunity to uh, sort of pause and look around and realize, like, wow, you know, none of this shit is real. And I can reject all of this wholesale and still lead a good life and a moral life and, and be happy. Um, it, it, it is similar. I mean, it is fundamentally very similar. I just want to see the person, like the creationist, who's, like, strapping, like— I don't know, fake dinosaur bones to his chest to blow up like a, <laughs> I don't know, like an abortion clinic or something. It's just, he's lighting dinosaur yeah. bones. <laughs> Actually, you're lighting dinosaur <laughs> bones all the time in your car. Now we're going to get an email that's like, oh, it's not actually dinosaur bones. Fossil it's fuels vegetation are not that was underneath the... dinosaurs. <laughs> Some of the things we say aren't really yeah. true. <laughs> that is the essence of humor. Yeah. Basically all of the things we say. Yeah, none of the things that we're saying are true. So Cecil, this story is from why? Natnews.com. News. I have no idea. Police suspect modesty squad terrorized Batar Elite. Batar Elite? I don't know. What Some is that? What you, I had to look it up today. I was like, what the fuck is a Batar Elite? 
And it's like I, it's a place in Gaza. It it looks like it's just three L's yeah, too. It totally like, does. It, it because of the font they yeah, chose. The, like they chose like right. the worst font to write right. this word possible. Um, two ultra orthodox men were arrested Monday for allegedly heading a modesty squad. Not a modesty squad. Modesty squad. We're no fun. <laughs> we're no fun. Stop having fun. Modesty squad. <laughs> it's funny because it says the suspects. This is the, the modesty squad. They're evidently fucking with people. They're yelling at them and telling them yeah, they terrorized female residents. And it says the suspects allegedly followed. Uh, the conduct of the city's residents and decided to educate, and educate is in quotes, those who did not live up to their standards of modesty. And I wonder, is is this how Batman got started? Is this, <laughs> is this how he got started? Well, you know, like, these guys are just so modest. Like, yeah. that they... <laughs> They it's wouldn't. Not, this is the modesty squad. This isn't the modesty squad we deserve. It's the modesty squad we need, or whatever. I don't know. It's that line from the Batman movie. They won't take credit for their modesty. Yeah. They're just like, yeah. Yeah. you're so modest. No, 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 no. You're so modest. It's like this no. fucking. Let's <laughs> go back and forth. It's a humility circle jerk. It's just nobody will ever take credit for how modest they are. That's awesome. Like, at what point are you like, whoa, we got to teach, we got to educate that person? And by doing that, we really mean kidnap a 17-year-old, place him in a closed room, and beating him. Yeah. Well, you you missed out a part of this. It says beating him for daring to act wantonly. And when I first read that, I thought it said wantonly. And I was like, oh, that means he was acting like a crab rangoon. <laughs> He's acting crunchy and delicious. Get him. <laughs> No, but th- these are just – I mean this is like ridiculous. This is like those – it's like those Muslims that were running around being like, this is a Muslim area. You have to fucking <laughs> right? you wear a fucking – you got to wear a burqa and not drink beer because I can't do any of those You have to things. wear a shipping container. Yeah. That's yeah, <laughs> You have to you have to wear another person on your person. You have to wear the skin of a fatter man. You have to crawl in him like a tauntaun. None of my skin is showing. It's somebody else's yeah. skin entirely, actually. <laughs> what would they say to Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs? You know, he's like, would you fuck me? You know, like that guy. Like, what would they say to that guy? Well, he is tucked, so, I mean, there's nothing He's totally visible. tucked, and he's wearing somebody else's skin. It's not even his. <laughs> as long as they put the lotion in the basket, everything yeah, will turn out Yeah, it doesn't okay. matter at all. It totally doesn't matter. I, You know, like, the, the thing is, is that the, this sort of... This sort of activity uh, is is commonplace. I mean, you know, we we talk about it every other week, and whether it's the whether it's the slut shaming that goes on in the United States over abortion and about you know rape, or it's the it's the modesty squad, uh, the um, the Muslim strong arm squad in the UK, or the modesty squad in the Gaza Strip. It's all the same thing. It's religion trying to force its morality on you when it's an outdated fucking Bronze Age morality. Right. You're not doing my book. Well, yeah, I'm not yeah. actually interested in doing my book more. <laughs> yeah, do my book better. You're not doing the book enough. Like, fuck You're your... a terrible Jew, but I'm not even a Jew. <laughs> like, um, thank you. I'm <laughs> fine with that, actually. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm also a terrible giraffe. Yeah. Like, there's a... <laughs> You are the worst giraffe. I'm a Tom. terrible giraffe. You're the worst of giraffe. Of all nature's creatures, yeah. giraffe and I 
Not at all. Not not not, not all. even close. More of the territorial hippo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like biting Orthodox Jews in half. Get out of my river. What the fuck's going on? No, I was just hungry. (laughs) He's charging. He's charging. (laughs) So Cecil, this story is from Digital Journal. And Jim Chajauri. <laughs> that's perfect. You like that? Gosh, that's like, think- it's like, I just asked Google Translate to speak his name. <laughs> <laughs> Urges Muslims to claim jihad seekers allowance. That's awesome. Um, I guess the jihad seekers allowance is the dole. Like, it, it that's totally the dole. Is. It's it totally just is. welfare. You're just like, I want the jihad seekers allowance. Like, that's it's- just. That's just it's him and all the chavs or whatever they call those guys that are on the dole over there. The, uh, they call them chavs. I C H A V. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. What is that for? Do you know what that stands for? I have no idea. But like you know, uh, but they are the they're like their their trash. I mean, I want to call it white trash, but you know, I guess it's just any kind of trash. You know what I mean? Like what we would call you know somebody who's. I don't even know. What do you even call well, those that's the people? Thing, is I, don't that Ameri- a, I don't even have like a fucking slur for them. <laughs> well, that's the thing. No, no, no. See, in America, we're so racially divided that we, you know, we, it's like, well, how are you going to, how are you going to attack somebody on welfare? So, well, you got to know what color they are. So we got to, so we got to attack their race first and then their poverty second. Because we're, you know, we're America. It's totally true. It's very true. I was actually, one of the funny things was I was reading, um, an article, and there were some comments about the article, and and one of the things that uh, that the people were talking about was diversity, and one of the people in the in the article was saying like, uh, he's like, I'm black, I don't ever move into a neighborhood thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to up the diversity in this place. They think <laughs> they think I'm moving into a better neighborhood. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't think about diversity. It's like only white people think about diversity. It's like the rest of us don't care. We just want to live where the you know where we don't get shot, and we want to you know go to good schools, and we want to live in nice neighborhoods. Like that's all it is. Yeah, that's actually that's pretty funny because it is it's like. It's such a, 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 a privileged status to be like, I want to live in a diverse community. Like, oh, right. okay. Well, you can afford to just choose whatever community you want. That's yeah, what you're right? saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. you have a special financial privilege. Um, but anyway, we're off the subject of totally this Muslim guy. Subject. Yeah. So this, this guy, this radical uh, Muslim preacher, Anjem Chidauri, um, was awesome. You're so you like good that? at that. You are so good at that. God damn, I'm fucking Gosh. spectacular. You should get a job just saying Muslim names. Do they <laughs> hire people for that? Shortest lived job ever. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, why wouldn't I hire somebody who speaks Arabic? No, no, Tom's really bad at this. Yeah, no, hire me. I'll, I'll insult your entire culture yeah, in the process. Yeah. I'll be, I'd be beheaded before week's end. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like. I'd be like, hey, guys, you want to go out for lunch or get some Subway or something? Like, oh, I'm going to cut your head off. I'm fucking, and Jim Chajario, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Stop saying my name. Um, <laughs> we have not talked about this story at all. No. He, he's been urging his followers to learn from the example of Muslim leaders like himself claiming, uh, claim your jihad seekers allowance, a reference to the fact that he lives on state benefits. He mocks people that work nine to five. That's and awesome. calls that slavery. 
Uh, we just call that being a fucking responsible human being and paying your goddamn debts. Yeah. That's what you <laughs> It's funny because like the, I always talk about the myth of the of the welfare recipient. You know, like there's this myth that that the people like to the people that are really privileged like to push on the underclass by saying those people want to be on welfare. All they want to do is be on welfare. Well, right. I'll tell you right now, I was on welfare as a kid. It sucks. Like it sucks in the United States. I don't know what it's like anywhere else. Okay, I can't speak to it anywhere else. But in the United States, it's fucking balls. Okay, it's fucking powdered milk, government cheese, and hope. That's what you live on. (laughs) You do not make a lot of money on fucking on subsistence living. Yeah, let me tell you, the hope is the hope is in the smallest package. Like that's the smallest piece of the entire puzzle. It's not a fun thing to do. I mean, it's not a good way to live. It it sucks, and you want to get off it as soon as possible. Um, So I don't know. I mean, like this guy must really enjoy powdered milk <laughs> he must he well what he enjoys is is letting the uh citizens of the uk finance his holy war i mean that's what he's saying in here yeah you know he's saying like basically that all the kuffar the non-believers are a bunch of fucking suckers for going to work and basically being the engine of the economy that the muslims should piggyback on top of drain from the non-believers all the financial resources they can so they can wage holy war against the very people who are financially supporting them. Isn't that just church, though? Yeah. I, you, it's like, seriously, you are a fucking leech. Yeah. Like, but you it, are my, definitively a leech. But isn't that just how churches work? It is. It, no, you know it's I mean? exactly like, how it, churches I mean, it's, it's really like just, okay, well, you know— you guys go to work every day. You guys bust your hump and give me 10% of your income and I'll sit up here and tell you how great God is for two hours a week. <laughs> and how you know what I mean? Like, really, are. that's all this guy's doing anyway. It's right. like, well, you know, I mean, he's just cutting out the fucking the people that donate and just choosing everyone. Everyone is a donor now, not just the people who don't believe. You know, he's saying the people who don't believe, but, you know, I'm sure there's many Muslims that are putting into the, you know, into the kitty just as well. Of course. Right. Um, He says here, he says, uh, it says, according to the Telegraph, uh, this guy's name uh, told an audience at at a three hour meeting in the community center um, that David Cameron, Barack Obama and the leaders of Pakistan and Egypt were the devil, Shaitan. He urged Muslims to kill them. He said it was wrong for true Muslims to deny any part of Islam, including jihad and the Sharia law. He said, what ultimately do we want to happen to them, the unbelievers? Maybe I'm the only one who wants uh, the shaitan to be killed. The shaitan should be finished. There should be no shaitan. All should be obedience to Allah or you should have no right to call yourself a Muslim. Well, Barack Obama doesn't call himself a Muslim. I know. That is. I mean, I know you want to call him a Muslim. <laughs> a lot of people want to call him a Muslim, but he's not a Muslim. Yeah, you must hate in your heart Cameron, Obama, all that they worship: democracy, freedom, secularism, the parliament, all the MPs and the presidents, all the Kufar's ideas, everything the people worship. We have to believe that they are bad, and we have got to reject them. Reject them with your tongue. Reject them with your heart. In our heart, have hatred towards them. That is the religion of peace. That's like you got to hear that and you got to say that's Pete. That sounds good. Let me tell you, yeah. you'll be spending some time in jail over here if you said that over here. That is like, fucking ridiculous. Like if you said if you said somebody should kill Barack Obama, 
You, you go to, I mean, they'll, they'll at least fucking investigate you. Yeah, you you might you know? just disappear. Yeah, you know, I mean, shit, they have, they'll fucking drone your ass. I mean, <laughs> drone they, your they, ass. What the fuck? <laughs> they could drone you, you know? Uh, there's a part of this article that says, the Muslim cleric regaled his listening audiences the best with a list of outlandish sh- uh, Sharia regulations. We do not sleep on our stomach, but on our side. You are not allowed to keep lions or tigers. <laughs> Snakes or scorpions cannot be kept. Even dogs, except if it's a hunting god, a dog or a guard dog or a shepherd dog. Did you know that you are not allowed to ride a sheep or a cat? And I love that. It's like it's like the reason I'm not part of Islam is because I can't ride a cat. And I think it's the same reason He-Man isn't the part of Islam because he can't ride a cat either if he's part of Islam. Yeah, well. He's got that battle cat. And there's no way they'd let him in. Even he if it was a battle sheep, he couldn't even come in because he, he can't ride it. Sheep. He can't even ride it. It's just like you hop on it, like, go, it's just grazing. It's, like, yeah. nah. <laughs> it's just on. sitting there, and you're like, come on, man, go battle. God damn it, I'm trying to <laughs> fight the Kufar. Get- <laughs> Fucking, this is the worst engine of holy war yeah. possible. I need you to. But isn't this just the fucking, like, biggest stream of consciousness nonsense that you've ever heard? It is real This is what your book says. You are a crazy person if you believe it. I know. And, you know, you read, obviously, you read some of it. He even says you cannot cut a tree without going to the hellfire. (laughs) Like, you just can't have shit made of wood. Yeah. Made of wood? Yeah, it's like wood. Wood. Your yeah. your book is like, mm, I'm anti-wood. It's like, motherfucker, you're a book. You're made out of paper. <laughs> so he's reading on a Kindle. <laughs> like it's it's fucking papyrus or nothing for yeah, you. Yeah, it's either That's... it's like fucking it's either gold plates, stone tablets, or a Kindle. Those are your only <laughs> Those are options. Your options. So we're gonna take a quick break, give you some information on how to contact us, and then we're gonna come back, do a couple more stories, and we're gonna finish the show with Hemant. From the Friendly Atheist blog talking about his book, A Young Atheist Survival Guide. So stick around for that. Want to contact Cognitive Dissonance? Visit them on Facebook. You can find the link at the website dissonancepod.com or type it in the Facebook search bar. Be sure to follow the guys on Twitter. Their handle is at dissonance underscore pod. The guys also post to Google Plus now too, so check them out there. And if you'd like to email them, you can do so at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment on the blog at their webpage or give them a call at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Long distance rates apply. And to everyone who listens, shares, retweets, or rates the show, Cognitive Dissonance would like to cordially thank you for all of your fucking support. So Cecil, this story is from, try to restrain your surprise, the Friendly Atheist Blog! Yay! <laughs> An Unholy Alliance, Private Prisons in the Christian Right. Uh, this is quite a long article. Um, this is an article actually by Lawrence T. Chablecki, and it appeared uh, in the 2013 March-April issue of The Humanist. <clears throat> um, so it was excerpted for the Friendly Atheist Blog. Um, and, you know, this, this article is significant. Um, and what, it, what it's proposing is that there is... A problem with the for-profit private prison system, which is difficult enough to say, much less to be in, um, and the way that that system is tied in with the evangelical Christian organizations and how those two go hand in hand. And Cecil, I think you and I both felt the end of this article particularly was noteworthy. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the, the for-profit systems in this country, um, I mean, it's no secret that we have, you know, one of the largest, if not the largest uh, prison population in the world. Uh, we have a revolving door with drug offenders. We have three strikes you're out rules in the, in the states. We have people serving significant amount of time for very little uh, – for things that are not uh, – that are not – I don't think that you should be spending life in prison for, but they do. And there's a lot of times uh, that the Christian, the, the religious right is fighting against uh, legislation because of uh, because of changing things like drug laws or immigration laws would decrease the amount of population that heads to these prisons. There's a part of this article um, where they talk about uh, they, they wind up talking about this um Corrections Corporation of America, which is this uh, this group that wants to to offer 48 states offering to purchase their prisons if and only if the state would sign a 20 year contract that guarantees that they'll send enough inmates to maintain a 90 percent occupancy rate. I mean, think about something like that. Yeah. It's a letter to 48 states that this fucking corporate this. Corrections Corporation of America sent that says if you're willing to commit to a 90 percent occupancy rate of all these prisons, we're willing. So there's no chance of this, you know, this this uh, this giant prison system that we have ever being any smaller. You know, I mean, granted, you know, as time goes on, you know, the population is going to rise so that, you know, even if they did stay at 90 percent of their current rate. That would still shrink the population of the prisons, but not by enough where we're actually rehabilitating them and making them go out into the world and helping them fix their lives. And I think that's the part of the article, Tom, that you and I really feel is the most important part. I'm going to read directly from the end. Um, He's confronted in this article. He says that a prison inmate confronted him uh, because he basically said, look, I don't think that they should be forcing religion down your throats here, um, even if it is for – uh, programs and things. And basically the, the person said, the inmate said, well, you know, what are the humanists doing? And I'm going to read directly from the end of the article. He says, the increasing presence of evangelical Christians in our prison should be a clarion call to the American Humanist Association during an annual meeting to create a blue ribbon community charged with the mission of making recommendations for how the philo- philosophy of humanism, along with the presence and activities of humanist communities, can be introduced and propagated in some of our nation's prisons. And I think that's the most important part is that we see, because it's visible all the time, the prayer vigils that happen all over the place, the uh, the halfway houses that are religious that help these people out of out of prison, um, the religious uh, institutions that go in there and help these people, where are the humanists? Where are, what are they doing? And this is this is like I say, this is the this is the call to action. If if we're going to have meaningful reform, that meaningful reform in the prison system has to come from the secular community as well. In the name of Jesus, we speak that. This story comes from what would JT do? 
new study, religion doesn't deter criminal behavior. Um, it actually reinforces any behavior, which I love. I fucking love that. This is, I mean, like, no fucking big surprise, right? When you have religious texts, when you have religious uh, bodies and organizations that are so outlandishly meaningless, like when you have religious texts that just include everything and include nothing, then whatever you're doing is either fine or right. it's not. It's whatever you want it to be. Um, no big fucking surprise. Religion doesn't make people better. Uh, we, we know that. Like we were just talking about the prison system. Look at the fucking prison system. It's full of religious people. Okay, so we just got done talking about how humanists need to have a call to action in prisons. What would a humanist mindset – how would a humanist mindset do better, Tom, than a religious mindset in this case? Like because we're saying, you know, like we should give them, we should give them something that's a humanist, a humanist way to think when they're in the prisons. How would a humanist mindset help them more than a, than a religious mindset? You know, one thing the religious mindset always will do and that, that is not helpful at all, and it's particularly not helpful uh, for people who are struggling with re-entering society, is it's, you know, rather than religion banding people together, um, it only bands people together into small sects, right? And those sects are mutually exclusive. And you can kind of, yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, but you can kind of look at it like gangs, you know? Yeah, yeah. You've got... You've got this group of religious people and they have this one set of beliefs and this group of religious people and they have another set of beliefs. And that seems to reinforce that isolationist, um, you know, tiny community tribal behavior that um, is so wholly unnecessary and destructive. Whereas a humanist mindset would say, hey, you know, we need to look at this from a perspective of what are our goals as a society? What are our goals as a species as people um, and how can we work together to meet these goals and doing that means that everybody gets to be included within that community um, and when, when you take that and move that into something like the prison system a system that's already incredibly segregated into tribal communities incredibly segregated yeah. by race incredibly hierarchical um, it helps to break down i think ideologically it would help to break down some of those barriers and would probably create a deeper and, and more honest sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think there's an interesting part of this article too, where they say that God endorses their behavior. So I think, again, this is where the humanists could do better because, you know, the, there's so many times that you read, that you read or hear about people who do things and think, you know, well, God is on my side, even though they're doing things that are, you know, patently awful. You know, they're doing something that is not uh, moral, but they're they're acting uh, they're acting in such a way where they think that you know God is on their side. And these people will use God as a, as a you know as a, as a scapegoat as say like, well, look, you know, God is on my side. God loves me. God wouldn't have me do these things. You know, there's all that Jesus take the wheel bullshit. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and so I think, you know, responsibility for your actions, uh, understanding, uh, understanding other people, empathy, all of those things are things that people can get out of humanism. And, what? you know, you can use those things to help you become a better person. What also strikes me is religion has a problem with forgiveness. Um, and I, and I, I really mean this. Re religion teaches people that you can do awful shit and then you can pray it away. 
You yeah. can be forgiven. It doesn't somehow it doesn't count anymore. The ultimate authority has forgiven you of your various trespasses. And and while that's that's very sunshine and roses, um, I don't think it's terribly fucking socially useful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There, no, there's yeah. some shit that you just you just shouldn't be forgiven. You should not be able to look back and be like, well, I was forgiven for that time that I, you know, murdered that family of four for, you know, when I broke into their house. I've been forgiven. So yeah. <laughs> fucking live and let live, whatever. <laughs> Jesus still loves me. Um, no, fuck off. That's not how that works. There's some shit that you just got to say, like, well, I fucked that up. I can't be forgiven. Religion has a forgiveness problem. Yeah. And you take that into the prisons and it's like, well, fuck it. I can do whatever the fuck I want. All I have to do is regret it later. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like my life. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my eating habits. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Mostly my, my escapades are on the dinner table. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I need this gallon of ice cream before yeah. we continue. <laughs> I need to choke down a cake like a fucking snake. <laughs> I need to unhinge my jaw and swallow the whole cake. Uh, I only like cake when it's been deep fried. Yeah. So. <laughs> Otherwise, it's too healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you go into the bakery, the bakery shop, you're like, what is this, a health food store? <laughs> what the fuck, guys? Where's the deep fat fryer? <laughs> Fuck it, I got one in my car. Just uh, bring it, wheel it out. You're dipping, you're dipping gingerbread men in batter and just frying them. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! This story is from opposingviews.com. This is from, Cecil, I, I gotta point this out. This is from their health section. <laughs> their health, health section. Attackers cut off seven-year-old albino's hand... In Tanzania, we'll likely use it for witchcraft. Yeah, you have yeah. no idea. We're, they're going to probably use it for you witchcraft have... or a tasty soup. Yeah. Well, it's... no. You know, I mean, think about it this way. Like, could you imagine if you – it would suck if you were that kid and you come into some witchcraft, like, gift shop and your hand is some elaborate back scratcher? <laughs> like, that <laughs> – that would make me so mad. It's being sold to tourists. Yeah. <laughs> tourists come in, they're like, man, the, I love these fucking Tanzanian back scratchers. They really hit the spot. Let's see. Do I want an ivory tusk pencil holder? <laughs> um, can I get, let me get one of those elephant foot umbrella holders and I'll have this back scratcher hand. If you could replace Might the well frame. Just light of- fire to Africa then, you know, like, <laughs> Everything should be made of the most like ridiculous shit possible. Like, it, yeah. like the frame of your car should be all narwhal tusks. <laughs> like it should just be all all narwhals. Just that's all it is. And you have to replace it every week because it breaks constantly. <laughs> just it's like, awful, fucking... awful. It's terrible workmanship. Those narwhals hardly know how to put anything together. They don't make them like they used to. I'll yeah. tell you. <laughs> it's fucking union narwhals. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Why the fuck would it be? Why would you look at an albino in Africa and be like, oh, that's magic? Yeah. That's not good magic then because you're an albino in Africa. (laughs) Of all the places to be an albino, I would think Africa would be not the one you would get. Like if you were a fucking albino Inuit, nobody would even notice. They'd be like, hmm. You're constantly covered in snail, in like in like a snail, in in seal grease. 
So nobody even knows. Right? Right. You're like, well, man, how's uh, how's Joe over there? I don't know. He's covered in fur. How are you? It's yeah. freezing up here. <laughs> Fuck. It's cold. I hate it. You know, I but- hate it. <laughs> no, Tom, they love it. Yeah, nobody loves living up there. <laughs> nobody lo- Even that's, the Inuit are lying to themselves. That's fucking ridiculous. You, yeah. you know your life is shitty when you live in an ice house and drive a dog to work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have fucked up your life. <laughs> and you're like chewing blubber after work for food. That's awesome. Uh, I want to say, though, because there's a part of this article I just I could not believe. It says a few days before the attack... It says an albino mother of four was attacked by five people and had her arm cut off by a machete. And now I look this up. It turns out that's not the safest or, or most efficacious way to remove a limb. I had to look it up. I think it's number seven under putting your arm in a wood chipper. <laughs> Ow. Oh, fuck. Like Ow. a machete? Like you're yeah. just walking down the road. Like what is – I mean is fucking Jason Voorhees live over there? Like you're walking down and you're just like, oh, there's that guy with the hockey mask. Here he comes. Oh, man. He's going to cut another albino arm off. It's just like the limbs are just flying off. You would think this would be like an unlucky rabbit's foot. <laughs> it's the albino The albino. Just like it's hanging on like a little tiny key loop. Yeah, it's like a whole arm of somebody. It's all fucking desiccated and nasty, and it's just like, oh yeah, I got my car keys on there. It's awesome. I'm so lucky. Wasn't fucking lucky for the albino. Yeah, <laughs> it's not lucky at all. It was I, like I had the whole body, and it wasn't lucky because I got attacked by a group of lunatics with a machete. Gosh, I mean, I. It's it's not a that's not a safe place to be an albino. Heck, that wouldn't even be a safe place to be a white person with black features. No. So no. Tom, stay out of there. <laughs> they, they would take one look at me and be like, mm, too fat, American. <laughs> <laughs> they look at you and be like, our village. <laughs> but they'd be like, man, there's no way I'd be able to cut through that in one swipe with a machete. I'm sorry, there's no way. They, like, put down the machete. They just grab a bigger machete. Yeah. It's like the America machete. It's like, oh, yeah. They grab I a steel my... chainsaw. They're just like, no, no way a machete's going to work. I got my swing on, baby. So we're back with uh, Hemant from the Friendly Atheist blog. Uh, Hemant, you have a, a, a book out that Tom and I both read called The Young Atheist Survival Guide. Could you tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah. Um, so I'm a high school teacher, and I have been for six years, still am. And, um, you know, and I've worked with the Secular Student Alliance uh, for almost a decade as well. And so I was trying to figure out the best way to kind of combine those worlds. And I realized I hadn't really read a lot about how to be an atheist when you're in high school. How do you deal with all the obstacles that you got to deal with when you're a young atheist? Because I know there's a lot of press about college groups and all the things local groups are doing mm-hmm. to kind of ex- uh, let atheists out themselves and have these discussions in communities. And it's awesome. I remember when I was in high school, I didn't have any venues like that. I didn't have any outlets and really, uh, the internet was uh, not as awesome as it is now if you're an atheist. So um, as I, I got to say, too, like when I write about 
high school or middle school atheists on my website, uh, people's hearts go out to them because, man, it doesn't even matter if you live in a Bible Belt state. There is so much crap you got to deal with uh, from parents, from your friends, from uh, people, your friends trying to take you to their church. Um, And there's not just, you know, peer pressure, but just active discrimination in some cases. So I want to highlight some of those stories and talk about what those atheists, those young atheists could do to help themselves, what teachers and administrators can do, what parents can do um, to kind of make that transition easier. Um, So that's kind of the gist of the book and what I was trying to do. I I, I want you to address one of the critics. I was looking at Amazon, you know, reading through some of the reviews. You have had 11 reviews of the book. Um, The most helpful critical review, though, I I need you to to address this. Uh This book has been needed for many years. And Hemant did a fairly good job, and he's been a very good role model for the rise of atheism. I just wish I'd waited till the price matched the value perceived for an electronic copy, which should be less than three dollars. Which, which <laughs> I have complete control over. So I know, I, I, know, I, I, know. I could take care of that. <laughs> I love that the the criticism that's leveled at the book is, "Hey, why isn't it three dollars?" That's that's pretty awesome. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You should price what I want. Yes, yeah, my Kindle awesome. ran out of juice before I could yeah. finish the book. One star. Why did you drain the battery on my... It's a short book. The Kindle lasts a month. You've got to be a slow reader. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So it, now you do talk. You, you just mentioned this. You just finished talking about this. But you talk about your book about peer pressure from other students, about hostile administrators. How much of your book is dedicated to diffusing the other side, so to speak? I don't know that I'm saying anything negative about Christianity. In fact, I think if any Christian reads this, they would hear what's going on in some of these stories. And, you know, part of the book is not just about how Christians treat a lot of atheists really poorly, because I don't think anyone's really defending those Christians. But some of it's also the way that Uh, Some Christians try to push prayer into public schools, how they try to have assemblies that are all about like, don't do drugs, don't drink and drive, stuff like that. But somehow it turns into a religious revival meeting of sorts. And there are sneaky ways to do that. Um, There's things about uh, coaches on teams praying with their students. Um, These are all things that I don't think anyone uh, would think. uh, I think a lot of Christians would not think of all those things as big deals. But when you're an atheist in those environments and you feel like, you know, you got to, as one person put it, you have to pray to play, that's not right. And I would hope most Christians reading that would say, you know what, that's wrong. And if I see it in my neck of the woods, I got to do something about it. It really has nothing to do with whether Christianity is right or wrong. I'm not, uh, it's not an argument in favor of atheism as much as it is just saying, look, there are atheists there. A lot of times they get treated like crap here's the ways you can help them deal with that. I see. So it's like a call to action for students and for administrators. Absolutely, absolutely. So what are some of the ways that you say, and now in your book there's a, there's a whole chapter dedicated to this, what are some of the ways that they can like spread the friendly atheism, so to speak? If you're a student um, and you're willing to out yourself as an atheist, you know, to your friends and, and maybe very close, uh, people who are very close to you, I think one of the best ways to do it at that age is just by starting a group. Just about every high school will allow you to begin a group um, for whatever really you want to, as long as you follow school rules. 
And with most atheist groups that I've seen at that age, it's really not about spreading atheism. It's about having discussions about religion. It's about having debates. It's about learning about what different religious people believe. Um, it's really an educational group, not so much an antagonistic, aggressive, you know, everyone else sucks type of group. That may be the best way to just um, explore your own beliefs. And, you know, for people who are kind of on the fence, which I know a lot of high school students are at that age, it's a chance for them to really explore their beliefs and, you know, raise their doubts in a way that's not hostile. And let's face it, the Christian groups at your high school really don't allow for that. And so that's a thing students can do. Um, teachers don't have to hide the fact that they're atheists, you know, um, if they're if they're called out on it, if a student asks them what they believe, it's okay to say, I'm not religious. Um, in fact, one teacher that I talked to, and I write about this in the book, he said that uh, he's been teaching for a long time, and his students would ask him, you know, what religion are you? And he would just say, you know, I, you know, I don't feel comfortable answering that question, so, so if it's okay with you, I'm just going to keep it to myself, you know, and he, they'd move on. He was a good guy. And then he realized none of the Christian teachers at school ever said that. They would always be like, oh, I'm a Christian and I go to this church and you should go one day yeah. or something like that. And he's like, you know, uh, why am I holding back? Why am I the only one holding back? Because let's, there really isn't anything wrong with those Christian teachers saying I'm a Christian and whatever. That's uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so he finally began answering, you know, uh, I, I don't go to church. My wife and I are both atheists and just left it at that. And that's it. And what he found happened was that most kids were totally fine with it. And in fact, some of them realized that he was like a trustworthy guy that they could come up to him and say, you know, Mr. So-and-so, we want to begin a group for atheists. Can you help us? Can you be our sponsor? Um, and so if teachers are willing to let themselves be known as atheists, not not endorsing it, not talking about it or anything, but just, oh, if you ask, yeah, I, I am an atheist and that's it. That's a huge deal. Um, and even administrators can make sure that, you know, not one religion isn't granted privilege over any other group that just because you're a Christian group, you can do this and that and no other group is allowed to. They can make sure that, you know, the different groups are kept in check. I'm, surpri I'm surprised there isn't more backlash. I'm surprised. You know, it, 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 it strikes me that, you know, because uh, there is so much um, there is a lot of uh, people that I think are uh, that think that atheists are. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of distrust of atheists. There's a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of people that dislike atheists. A lot of people that didn't. I mean, you listen to uh, you know Reverend Hagee on the on the on the <laughs> you know giving a sermon, and he'll say right. you know atheists leave the country. So I, I'm I'm sort of shocked that there is no that that you didn't encounter any you didn't find anything that had any backlash when somebody outed themselves as an atheist as either an administrator well, or as a as a teacher. Again, at the teachers and the administrators who did um, – and there is one administrator who actually went out of his way to try to stop Christian groups from, like, passing out the Bible to students in school. Um, and he did get a lot of backlash from his community for doing it. And the surprising thing is he was a Christian too. He, uh -huh. just, he just didn't think they should be doing that, and he was right. Um and uh, but the truth is, the students who are willing to come out and start these groups and raise these questions, um, they deal with a lot of stuff. Um, it, I mean, at the very least, when these organizations begin uh, having their meetings, the posters are ripped down immediately. Um, just about every student I talk to 
Uh, they even referred to, it, you know, oh, yeah, we put up posters and then, you know, like everyone else, they got ripped down. It's wow. like, that, not like everyone else. Like, I know that's true, but you say it like it's not a big deal. And it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, your posters are getting ripped down. And they said we made two sets of posters to hang up in school, one for the morning and one for the afternoon. Oh, my gosh. They, they were going to get ripped down. Um, and then you get to the point where some students uh, like who are writing newspaper articles um, there are articles about why they're an atheist. An opinion piece is not allowed to go in the school paper because it might offend people, even though these are not offensive articles. Or, you know, some students don't want to stand for their, the Pledge of Allegiance, and some schools give them detention for it. They're not allowed to. Um, but And thankfully, the students are aware of that, but the administrators aren't. But it's just, it's the sort of thing that when it happens and you think you're the only atheist out there, um, the, uh, hopefully these kids realize that, you know, even if you're the only atheist at your school that you know of, there's a lot of other people who have been in your shoes, who have dealt with this. There are a lot of organizations that will help you uh, deal with any obstacle that you have. So, you know, seek them out and get their help, because trust me, even if you think you're alone, you're really not. You know, one thing that occurred to me reading this book is that um, while I very much appreciate the sense of uh, you know, hey, you're, you're students, you're in high school, you're, you're an atheist, or you're, you're leaning in that direction. And, you know, you, you need to find a, a way to, uh, to belong, to, be, to, to find other people, to build a sense of community, to, and, and to protect your, your, your personal rights, you know, and your constitutional rights. And those things are all addressed very well in the book. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. It's one of those things that the best thing about high school is that social acceptance and having that group of friends and finding out that you make friends with new people who share a common interest, whether it's playing a sport or doing theater or whatever. And in some cases, you know, uh, very few groups really let you talk about religion or philosophy in a way that some of these secular student groups do. And so I think that is an important way to have these discussions. And if it's not an atheist group, let it be like a, a religious discussion group or a philosophy group or whatever. Um, because you want those conversations out in the open because there really isn't a lot of places you can get it. And even in a classroom setting, in a really good class where you can discuss these things openly with the teacher moderating, you don't get the freedom that you might just after school hanging out with people and talking to them about it. So, yeah, I, I hope they take advantage of it because it is really nice to know that there are people who enjoy talking about it. And, you know, from a personal standpoint, the last thing I want is to see – High school students, uh, to be blunt, be dicks about being an atheist at that age. Like, take the chance and get to really understand what it is other people believe and know your own beliefs so that, you know, when you get to college, when you graduate, you can do something about it. You know, what What occurred to me, though, is that it would be nice if there was kind of the flip side to this book, you know, and I'm not saying it's your responsibility to write it, but I'd like to see a flip side where it's, you know, the educator's guide. You know, the, the Atheist Educator's Guide, because one thing that kept occurring to me is, man, that's a lot of onus to put on the student. Um, you know, the student has and, and that's and that's just the necessity. That's that's part of being a minority group in, you know, in, in any in any situation. Right. Is that the onus for justice is often going to fall on you. But it would be nice if the educators had a rallying cry to say, hey, we're not going to wait for the students to start this group. We're going to try, you know, to, to organize a national educator push to start these groups, to have it available to draw the students in. 
there's I, I did try to address this in the book because the issues that I always came across when I was researching this stuff, it, it really was student driven. And the teachers and administrators were only players in their stories, really. Um, but one of the things that happens at a high school setting is um, it, it really does have to be the teachers playing a supporting role. Uh, the teachers have to pl- uh, take a supporting role in all this. They can't really say, hey, we, I'm going to start an atheist group, and if any kids want to join it, come do it. Um, I, I think most high schools either frown upon that or it's not allowed in general. I know I couldn't do that at my school. Um, in most cases, it has to be a student-led, student-initiated group. And, yeah, there might have to be a faculty sponsor, but it's not faculty-led. So it's kind of hard to say at a high school level, hey, faculty, take charge here. Gotcha. Um, they really can't do that. But what they can do is make sure their classroom is a safe space for atheists, that if they hear anything, if they see anything where – and not just atheists, if they see any student getting attacked or discriminated against in some way because of their beliefs – put a stop to it right there. And yeah. I mean, the same thing goes for sexuality, for, you know, if there's a gay student in class, make sure they're not being bullied, etc. I mean, that's that's the job of a good teacher. Um, so, I mean, I would hope any so, teacher or administrator is doing that been anyway. Out for a while. Have you gotten any, any, like, backlash at all? Has anybody, like, not read it and just read the title and sent you some bad email or something? I've gotten absolutely no backlash. I've gotten a lot of really wonderful, positive feedback. Um, I actually got a nice email the other day from a student uh, who read the book and just, um, you know, she's gone through so many things in her own life as an atheist, getting name called in school, kids trying to trip her, throw religious pamphlets at her face, calling her names and all that. Um, and she thought she was the only one who had to deal with stuff like that. And when she read the book, she told me that she realized that, wow, it's not its not just that she's not alone. It's that there are other kids out there that have gone through the exact same thing. Um, and so, you know, she, she learned a lot from that experience and just, man, it's good to know that you're not the only one who has to deal with that shit. So I'm going to put you on the spot here for just a minute. Let's imagine... For just just for a moment, hypothetically speaking, if you were on, say, a podcast, all right, and you had <laughs> but a few moments to give one piece of sage advice to high school and middle school kids who might be atheists who might be listening to a program such as this, <laughs> what what advice would you give to those students if you just had one just like this is like this is your 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 last bullet in the gun. I think they should explore their beliefs for themselves. They should read as much as possible, listen to podcasts, read websites, whatever they can to expose themselves to new ideas. Because at a high school level, there are so few ways to really explore religion. And so it's one of those things you just kind of have to do on your own. So I hope they take advantage of that because I remember when I was in high school, um, some of the ways I formed my own beliefs was having, you know, when I went out with my friends, that would be a topic of discussion because we all believe different things. And it was never contentious, uh, even though we were not always in agreement. And it would be fun. 
Um, and then I learned, I started reading books and, you know, I remember this is back in the day where there was like AOL dial up and there was like <laughs> not a lot of websites, but there were like a couple websites about atheism. And I started searching, like, what happens if you don't believe in God? What, what is, I didn't even know the word atheist. Like that's, but you came across these websites about atheism and I'm like, oh, these people are crazy. But when I started reading what they wrote, I'm like, oh, my God, I kind of agree with what they're saying. <laughs> and that wouldn't have happened unless I actually started exploring it for myself, you know, outside of the eyes of my parents who are religious. Um, and, you know, everyone else that I kind of knew who, you know, everyone I knew seemed to be religious in one way or another. So it was one of those things I just had to explore for myself. So I hope other kids and even if you end up be, being religious as a result, fine, but explore it figure see where that leads you see if you could if you agree with some of these arguments or not um because it's one of those things that really doesn't happen on its own so if our uh, if our listeners wanted to get a copy of this book where would they go uh easiest way is to go to friendlyatheist.com and there is a link in the sidebar for the book but they can also go to amazon and search for young atheist survival guide so you have a newer book that we didn't get a chance to read yet. What's that book about? Yeah, um, you know what? It's it's a collection of blog posts that I've written over the past few years, some of my favorites that deal with the subjects of politics and uh, J, uh, GLBT type of writing, uh, young atheists also. But it's kind of the blog posts that I've written that kind of encompass my thoughts on those issues. So it's not so much a book as it is. This is what I was feeling at the time that I wrote this article. So if you want kind of a taste of what my blog is about and the sort of things that mean a lot to me when I write about stuff, it's just a compilation of it. Um, it's put together by this awesome company called Hyper Inc. And Hyper Inc. actually publishes, uh, they publish similar types of books by uh, Alexis Ohanian, who founded Reddit, um, and a couple other bloggers who have written for a number of years. So Really cool company to work with, and they help put this thing together. It looks beautiful, um, and they did a nice job of we we picked these posts together, and they put it together. It's really cool. Is there anything else you want to plug? Um, you know what? Uh, I'm the chair of a group called Foundation Beyond Belief, which is uh, an organization that tries to urge atheists to give money to secular charities. And so if anyone's interested in learning more about that, we, you know, we one of the things we always find is that Every study shows that religious people give more to charity, not just their church, but to charity than anyone else. And I don't know why that would be true other than they just have a better way to give money. They have a venue for doing it. And atheists yeah. don't really have that unless we seek it out on our own. So Foundation Beyond Belief gives atheists a good way to give money to really awesome organizations uh, we vet them for you. We tell you about them. And you could divvy up your money however you want. Um, so if you're interested in that, it's foundationbeyondbelief.org. Um, and it's I've been working with this group since it started about two years ago. We are we have given away, I would say, uh, it's well over three quarters of a million dollars right now um, of people making donations, atheists making donations to these groups. Um, I'm so proud of this group. So if anyone's interested in learning about them, check it out. Hammond, thank you so much for coming on our show. We really appreciate it, and we hope uh, we hope everybody goes out and gets this book. This, especially if you're a young atheist, the Young Atheist Survival Guide is a great book. Thank you guys so much, and yeah, and if anyone has any questions after they read it, uh, friendlyatheist.com is my website. My contact information is on there. I'd love to hear from your listeners. Fantastic, awesome. Thanks, Hammond. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you guys. No problem. Hope to talk to you soon. 
So we got a little bit of uh, voicemail. We got a voicemail from Pat from Evanston. We got one from the King of Cash Money, and we got one from Steve. We actually got two from Steve, but we're only going to play one from Steve. Um, this is Steve uh, reading the Ten Commandments, but we're going to read them. We're going to let him read them to you, so then uh, Tom can read them from Google Translate afterwards. Okay, this is King of Cash Money. I'm really high. I thought of something. Okay, we're going to sing you a prayer that we learned in Bible camp. Okay, ready? Thank you, God, for giving us food. Thank you, God, for giving us food. For bread that keeps us fed. Thank you, God, for giving us food. Thank you, God, for giving us food. Amen. Hey, it's Steve from Vegas again. Uh, quick addendum to my last Google voice. Uh, something I've been wondering about the last couple weeks. What would the translator make of King James Version of the Ten Commandments? Uh, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. One, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Three, thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord, thy God, in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Five, honor thy father and thy mother. Six, thou shalt not kill. Seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Eight, thou shalt not steal. Nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Ten, thou shalt not covet. And, uh, don't you forget it. Hey, Cecil. Hey, Beanie. Sorry, Tom. Big fan of the show. And uh, I just wanted to say, whenever I hear the Islamic call to prayer drop in, to me it always sounds like they're saying, a long went crump, a long went crump, a long went crump, a long went crump. I don't know what that means, but that's what it sounds like. Anyway, uh, enjoy the show. And keep it up. Sounding good. Thanks. Uh, this is Pat from Evanston, Illinois, a local boy. So, Tom, Ten Commandments. Hey, it's the From Vegas again. Quick addendum to my last Google boys. Something I've been wondering about the last couple of weeks. What would the friends later mate of King James Version of the Ten Commandments? And I got the state. All these words things, I handle <laughs> bored. But I got, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt of the house of bondage, one of this show, have a new other dogs before me. Two, <laughs> I was Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I was Shelton, not make from. Two, D, to meet rebooted dimensions. <laughs> Three. Oh, shelled my take. The name of the word I got it in. Vain. Four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it. Julie. Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Offered by father and by mother. Six dollars. Shell. Not feel. Seven. That'll show. Not commit bill treat. Eight. Show, not you. Nine. <laughs> S- 
so Shelton that they're all sweetness against by a neighbor. Ten. About shelter not. Hope it. And but you forget it. <laughs> a lot of I mean, God really talks to Shelton a lot. I mean, he's just like him and Shelton, they go way back. Uh we got awesome. a we got a voicemail. <laughs> One of the voicemails was from King of Cash Money who called us really high. Oh my god. He was god. really high. And he wanted to tell us. Uh, thank you, God, for giving us food. That it's not God. That's the pizza guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's not a- God. <laughs> and I do want to point out that he also sent us an email rescinding his voicemail. No, 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 but my that friend. Doesn't fucking work. We <laughs> own that fucking, shit. <laughs> you can't fucking high dial us and then be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to fucking do that." Yeah, whatever, dude. You nope, got you. It's now. ours now, motherfucker. It's ours now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. Oh, Tom, this is uh, this is from an email address called Start Thinking. Uh, yeah, this is great. When using the podcast app on an iPhone, the phone very conveniently pauses the podcast you're listening to when you answer an incoming call, say, from your mother, and resumes playing when you hang up. Now, if you do receive a call from your mother while listening to a podcast, then get to your in-law's house and forget what podcast was playing when you took the call and you hand the phone to your child so they can talk to their grandmother, you should not leave the room. Oh, no. My in-laws are very religious, quite Republican, and have no sense of humor that I'm aware of. When my daughter hung up from talking to my mother, my wife's parents, my wife, and my children had the opportunity to hear, quite loudly... Exactly what I was listening to, and also what you guys think about oh, Peter no. Popoff. Oh, we're no. okay now, in case you were wondering. Oh no, <clears throat> uh, we're I very sorry. Well, actually, I'm not sorry at all. But thank you, Start Thinking, for sending us an email and uh, and letting us know of your woes. The, we got a couple of different people sending us an email about the apps this week. One person sent us an email about the app and said it really wasn't that great. It's like, well, I didn't design it, so I, yeah, <laughs> I know it's I mean, not I, very good. I, it's like a freebie. Like, it's a freebie they tack on to the money that we give them. So, yeah, of course it's not going to be great. Like, uh, But I, we welcome anyone else who wants to design a better one. We totally can, like, take you up on that. Because I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and speaking of this, uh, someone – David says – I didn't see a donate button on your show. Do you guys take donations? Are you planning on doing another campaign for Doctors Without Borders? If so, I can just donate to that. Uh, I did buy a cool-looking T-shirt, so thanks for having that available. Uh, First things first, um, Tom and I are looking to go to TAM this year, and uh, we are starting to collect uh, some of the Audible money soon. Um, so hopefully. the Audible money <laughs> that is supposed to come to our podcast is hopefully going to be deposited in one of our accounts eventually. But one way to support the show is if you're not a subscriber to Audible, go to our website, dissonancepod.com. There's an Audible link that takes you to the, the section that basically gives us credit for giving – you know, to, for taking you there. So Audible knows that you came there through us. And then sign up for a free audio book. Uh, it's a subscription service. Sign up for it. If you don't like it, you can cancel. But uh, Tom and I both are avid Audible listeners. We listen to Audible. I know I have a, an account. Tom has an account. Uh, so we enjoy it a lot. We recommend it to people. We think it's a great service. So if it's something that you like and it's something that you want to do and you want to support the show, that's a way to do it. Another way to support the show is to buy the app. We get a lot of complaints about the app. People don't like it so if you don't want to you want to spend if you want to spend two dollars salesman ever two dollars on a terrible app uh feel free to spend two 
dollars on it. The thing is, is like, like I don't think it's a terrible app. Like I use it all the time because it streams the show very well. Stitcher right. streams the show, but I think Stitcher streams at a Stitcher streams at a little lower rate, so the, the the sound quality isn't as good. Stitcher is a wonderful program, though. I think Stitcher gives you the ability to download a ton, uh, to listen to a ton of different shows while you're streaming, which is great. Um, our app will allow you to listen to our show streaming. Which is nice because you can then listen to all of our shows. I think Stitcher only gives you a limited backlog too. Whereas if you add our app, you could listen to all the shows streaming on your mobile phone. Uh, that being said, we only get a dollar out of that. So if you buy an app, we only get a buck. The best way I think right now to give us, if you wanted to support the show, is to buy a shirt. Now, yeah, it costs 20 bucks or 25 bucks, but you get a shirt out of the deal, and we get 7 or $6 out of the deal, which is nice. Um, we are going to have a special shirt coming up very soon uh, that's going to be our Send Us to Tam shirt. So <laughs> basically we're going to ask you to buy a shirt to help send us to Tam to help pay for the cost because it's like five or $600 just to even get in the door there. Um, so we're going to ask people to buy shirts then, and uh, that money will be hopefully used for that. But we're going to have a special shirt for that, uh, and it's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. We're actually designing it right now. And we, we need the seatbelt extensions on the air flight. I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know, like gotta I got to f- get the double aisle seats thing is, is you're not at home there, and I can't shop at Costco when I'm out there to eat the giant (laughs) boxes of cereal in one sitting. So I have to feed myself while I'm out there, too, which is a lot of money. What I think it's like $100, you know, if if your bag is over 100 pounds, we're going to be there four days. I mean, my granola bar bag alone (laughs) is going to be more than that. I don't have a single piece of clothing that I wear that weighs under 100 pounds. Because it's like tent material. It's it's enormous. It's like I have to wear something the size of a house. So we got an email from Ripkin. He says, hey, I listened to your podcast with me, Mom, and she only had one thing to say about it, a bit too much swearing. Hey, Ripkin, fuck her. That's all I got to say about that. Fuck her. That's bullshit. Yeah, whatever. Um, no, thanks for uh, – Turn, I don't know, trying to turn your mom onto the show. I don't know that that's going to work ever. But I don't know that anybody's mom has ever been turned onto this. Like as soon as you're like a mom, you're like, oh, oh no, yeah, no. You're the way we're, we're way too responsible for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have young ones to think of now. We got an email from Dan, and Dan sent us three hillbilly god uh, images that we are going to. Uh, now these are these are not something that we we're not sure we can use them for a t-shirt. Um, this was initially what these came out of, but uh, but I tell you right now, before we decide on the Hillbilly God T-shirt, eventually these will be in the running. We'll think about what's going to happen with that later on. Um, but one of the things that we will do with these right now is we will put them on Facebook. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these images and load them to Facebook. They're very funny. They're great. I yeah. love the banjo playing angels, and there's like a like a a bucket. What do they call it? It's like a wash tub base. That he's yeah, playing I, in the back, it's awesome. Like it's just <laughs> awesome, and like they're very funny. Uh, so we're gonna post these on Facebook for now. Um, we're gonna see if there's some way they can be turned into a shirt or something later on uh, when we decide on the Hillbilly God T-shirt. Uh, but thank you very much, Dan, and uh, thanks for tasking your wife in making these. They're great. We really thought they were very funny. Uh, someone else sent something to show. Shane sent a couple of pieces of music to the show. Um, 
he says, if we'd like to use some of these uh, songs we've written, that he's written, uh, these are, I'm going to probably keep these in my, in my uh, inventory of sounds that I'm going to use. So thank you for sending them. Uh, obviously, you know, we already have a, a theme uh, song that we've sort of had for many, many episodes. So I'd be reluctant to change that at this point. Uh, but thank you for sending them in. And I will probably uh, use some of these in the future if I ever need any kind of uh, uh, music underneath something. So thank you again. Tom Gillian sends an email uh, to us here uh, about being a Jehovah's Witness, or at least being surrounded by them. Yeah, uh, he sent us an email saying that uh, he's an atheist living with his family who are all Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and he still has to go door to door um, preaching to people about some shit he doesn't believe in anymore and that's actively causing harm. He finds it frustrating. He credits our podcast for helping him keep sane. No, that's not our podcast helping you keep sane. That's the incredible fortitude of being an atheist in a family of Jehovah's yeah, Witnesses. No kidding, right? Yeah. All the credit goes yeah. to you. Yeah. So fucking bravo. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry you've got to deal with that right now. Yeah, and, and to be honest, that's a tough that's a tough situation to be in, and especially yep. if your parents are, you know, you know, if your parents are are taking care of you. They're calling the shots, and that, Tom and I have always been sort of hardline on that. Like yeah, you don't, absolutely. you don't ever, you don't ever try to buck the the system while you're at home. Uh, you know, when you're an, a, you know, out on your own and doing things on your own, and you know that sort of thing, and you want to maybe make a pushback and say, look, I'm not doing the Jehovah's Witness thing. You may, maybe you don't want to call yourself an atheist eventually, but you might want to just be like, I don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore or something. I didn't mean that probably is just as bad, <laughs> but, you yeah. know, uh, you know, then maybe you could do it. But while you're living at home, you've got to follow their rules. And, you know, we just we just hope the hope for the best for you. We got an email from Dirty and uh, Dirty just has this very difficult predicament. Um, basically, she says that uh, that she's a therapist at a government agency that provides court ordered intensive outpatient substance abuse treatment. Um, part of this treatment is requiring participants to attend AANA. Uh, so the final question is, what can I do if a client, uh, uh, if I have a client who opposes AA, I don't want to violate anyone's First Amendment, uh, but at the same time, uh, I, I love all other aspects of my job and I don't want to make any waves. That's a very interesting question. It's a question Tom and I agonized for a few minutes over. Which is the most thought I've given this show in years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> bravo to you. You know, what, what I would say is that if you're in a dueling banjos rural area of southern Illinois – and you happen to have a client who is not religious, they're used to putting up with religious intrusion in every yeah, other part of their totally. life. Going to AA or NA is not going to be any more onerous for them. And if you have a dearth of other available options, you just you just do what your job tells you to do at that point. I mean, you yeah. don't have better secular options to, to push them into. Corbin sends an email and says, I guess I missed it, but who's the f- uh, the fucking cook? I think he meant kook. <laughs> kook. Uh, uh, but he's not a cook. His wife's the cook. That's the thing. Um, in the soundbite you started the show with, um, it's in the notes. It's the first thing we started the show. Or, or it's the last. I think it's the last note last time. It's in the notes. But if you're ever looking for a soundbite, um, lots of times it'll be in the notes. So just go to the website, dissonancepod.com, click on the the episode and click on one of those links. Lots of times the links will show you what the thing is. And many times it's an embedded video. So it's actually easy to see if you open up a news story and there's no video, probably not that one. We got an email from Josh <laughs> who, who wants us. He wants us. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like us. I, you know, Thomas has his own show. I don't know if you knew this. It says, I really like the recent show. Thomas really brings 
up the show really brings up the show. I know. It's such a downer. Fuck you, Josh, you (laughs) asshole. Uh, Almost makes it worth listening to. Hey, suck my ass, you jag off. I might recommend having him join the show for good. Um, but he would just probably take over and kick you two off. He already did that on his own show. <laughs> He's done that twice on our show. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to – I recognize, Josh, that cognitive dissonance only needs one Tom. Yeah. Like I'm not introducing my replacement. Like I may yeah. be dumb, but I'm not stupid. I'm not – No, but Conan, it's not a fucking Leno Conan O'Brien thing here. You know what I mean? Like this is a – you know, we're not going to we're not going to bring him on the show. He does say seriously, though. And no, we were just fucking kidding with you. But it says seriously, though, he really contributes to the show. Personally, I think it would be awesome to give uh, to have him as a permanent addition. Um, no, uh, he's yeah. a great guest. <laughs> he is a great and, guest. Uh, and we love to have him on the show. But but uh, but, you know, we're not getting the band back together. <laughs> the <laughs> band's already the together. The band's already together. Like, this it's is not it. American this is Idol. The this audience is, doesn't decide. Josh, this is, a, this is as fucking good as it gets right here. <laughs> like, if you want to keep listening to the Thomas shows on repeat, that's cool. They're funny. He's a funny guy. Um, but, you know, this is it. This is as good as it gets. <laughs> that's what I keep telling my wife. This yeah. is as good as it gets. You know, yo, Josh, this is this is the best you could do. <laughs> that's what Tom tells his wife all the time. So She's so sad. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, I would be too. So we want to thank uh, Hemant, the friendly atheist, for coming on our show and talking about his book, uh, The Young Atheist Survival Guide. Uh, and also talking about uh, his other projects and his blog, the Friendly Atheist blog. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a very intelligent guy. He runs a great blog, so you should check it out. Go to FriendlyAtheist.com, or also if you want to check out a whole host of blogs, uh, it's Pathios.com, and that's where a lot of these blogs live. There's a ton of blogs. We actually had Vicki Garrison on. She runs a blog through Pathios. There's a bunch of people who do. Um, so they're really great. You can take a look at them. Uh, but FriendlyAtheist.com uh, if you want to find him. And then also uh, pick up his book because it's totally worth reading. It is. It's a good read. And it's fast read too. You yeah. Know? And it's despite the critical review that it should cost $3, it's worth 8 It's totally worth 8 And uh, And uh, all the people who send us email all the time, all the high school students – who send us email all the time? All the, I mean, heck, all the college students who send us email and say, "Hey, it's tough to be an atheist." Pick this book up; it's totally worth it because it'll give you an opportunity to see how he suggests you go about um, being a friendly atheist, go about being somebody who uh, who can help the community, and uh, and it's totally worth worth the eight bucks to read on Kindle, and uh, and and you should check it out. So that wraps it up for uh, this episode of Cognitive Dissonance. Next time we're going to have a hopefully a guest. We're going to see we're you know running the guest train right now. Till next time, this is Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. 
expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. 